This is a HeadGum Podcast. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. BiteClear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. One idea I had for how we start the episode is doing like a vocal warm-up thing. <laughs> but like a vocal warm-up that is not correct. Okay. Oh, I'm in. Which is a game that my buddy Henry taught me about like eight or nine years ago, where you sing the first word of a song mm. and that's it. And then the other person has to guess what the song is. Okay. We'll do a gimme for the first one, okay? Somebody once told me the mm. you're the best at everything. The Smash Mouth, All Star. That's right. There it is. Okay. Um, and now I'm falling? No. Oh no. What was it? And now I'm stronger. Yesterday. yesterday. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I wasn't mm. in that mind space. How about um I want you to know. You got it! This is because you're good at everything. <laughs> We've already been through this. That's not at all true. Okay. Welcome to Inside Voices. My guest today is Megan Batum. So Megan does not look like the traditional first thought conception of who you might think a podcast host to be. She's one of these people that exists in 2020. You can see absolutely thriving in public and on social media. She's a host. She's a dancer, a really accomplished choreographer. She's a YouTube personality, which I know she would not enjoy me saying. And now she's a podcaster. All these labels, by the way, she might bristle at if given alone and not in tandem, which we'll get to later. More importantly than all that, Megan is deeply sweet and kind and a good friend. In a best case scenario, guesting on one another's shows bore out a legitimate friendship for us, which I'm very, very grateful for. For now, though, let's get to it and listen to Megan give me the title of this episode. I think my voice is like pointy and like a lot. It's friendly, but too high, but also too low and loud, warm, familial. It's relatable, but it's like, you don't need to be doing it all the time. (laughs) (laughs) There's like a real potpourri of positive adjectives mixed in with a lot of self-deprecation. That might be a defense mechanism on some level. I would not say your voice is pointy. It's pointy. I would not say that. I don't know. I think it's... Pointy. You said warm, which I think I is think right on. I think it's just a little... I think it's warm and pointy. <laughs> like a like a scalding iron that yeah. you find oh. on the range, maybe. And have you had to reconcile the difference between what you think your voice sounds like and what it actually sounds like? In the beginning, yeah. Like in the early 2000s, when mm-hmm. you didn't have podcasts... When I didn't, and I would call someone's voicemail, and I would play it back and go, did I sound like an idiot? And then I would play it back and go, oh my God, that's what my voice sounds like? That was the first time that I was like, oh, I'm I'm not the same person as I am inside. 
But then when I had my podcast and it's just like, ugh, I mean, doing YouTube for so long, it's just kind of like I tune it out now. So the gap is closed now. The gap of? The gap of what you thought it was oh, yeah. and what it actually is. I, I mean, it sounds like it's about to be different. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you have a really nice voice. You have an amazing voice. I do? Oh, yeah. Well, we weren't switching tables quite yet, but I mean, if we want to talk about it. <laughs> Yours is not pointy. It's changed, though, over time. So mine is, too. Yeah, what, what did it turn into? The, I, when I was first starting to do YouTube, I was, like, yelling because I thought higher energy was funnier. Mm -hmm. Not true. And then the more I knew, started to understand myself and really be comfortable with who I was, then I would, like, dip down a register. So I guess if we continue with that trajectory, I will be very low voiced when I'm older. Yeah, you're going to get into like a Kathleen Turner territory mm. when you hit 60 or 70. You love that. I had a vocal. I, do I love that? I know you do. I know. You know that. <laughs> I know that I do. Absolutely. What was your voice like when you were a kid? How'd you use your voice? I had a speech impediment. Is that a voice or? <laughs> <laughs> Is an impediment a voice? Because. Not a voice, but it definitely it's is voice, like yeah, it's, it's like backpacking on the voice. Mm -hmm. It's like we didn't invite you, but like you're tagging along and you're here. It's a little accessory. It might have been. <laughs> it might have been even like if your voice is Linus, that was a little blanket it was dragging around all of your childhood. <laughs> what was the impediment? Was it like a stutter or was it? I couldn't say my R's, so I would say like a big bail, and so and. Like instead of a, an R, it would be a W. So then when I started to learn it, then that's why sometimes, very seldom, I'll have like a really sharp R, like grass or green. Right after G's, it's like, <laughs> because I couldn't say it. It'd be like grass and green. The grass is green with a little bail Until on it. Until what age? I don't know. I was definitely in elementary school. Okay, so it's not something you had to like train out of in no. adulthood. I mean, or I had to play cornhole in it. Like I had to like play cornhole and then whatever prize I got, I would have to like do that many reps. Break this down for me. <laughs> it's it's all such a big blur. Playing all I remember cornhole. is cornhole. Like, There's a flash of cornhole. It, I'm from this Florida. Is not, this is not a metaphor though. Not a metaphor. Like the way we we're saying the accessory in the backpack and For the whatnot. For sure playing this literal is, cornhole. Okay, okay. And it was like, they wanted us to play games so that we would be into learning how to speak like a normal human. And so it was like, play some cornhole and then whatever you would get, then you would have to like do that exercise. So you would be fishing for your... You know, getting better. So it was like a rewards-based system. Yeah. And who was facilitating this? Like My school? The, okay. So it wasn't like an at-home remedy thing no. or like a Googled. No, it okay. wasn't holistic. It, it was an actual education-mandated sort With of situation. With other people that okay. had also impediments. Okay. Were you? Did you perform as a kid? Was that a big part of it? I did, but not speaking. Mm -hmm. I didn't speak publicly until. <laughs> Honestly, weren't allowed. <laughs> Not even in my own house. <laughs> I didn't do anything in the arts that had to do with my voice um, until I was 20. Up until then, I was cheerleading and dancing and, and making yearbooks. The <laughs> trinity of activities that yeah. young women in Florida do. <laughs> we're all familiar with this and we all know how it works. Yeah. So you were doing dance stuff. Mm -hmm. And so you were learning how to like use your body and stuff for performance. So you didn't have to rely on voice. Was that an insecurity? Did you not think your voice was good? Ooh. I mean, I just didn't want to use it that much, I think. Even in cheerleading, when we had to yell, I was the captain of the cheerleading team. So I should be 
being the loudest. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, no, I'm going to realize if this is offense or defense, I'll call the cheer and I'll do the cheer, but I don't need to say And I'll whisper it words. to my fellow cheerleaders. Like, okay, let's do a good one this time. But nothing too audible that anyone in the crowd or of anything course. would hear. Sure. They can't hear us scheming. I think the only real insecurity that's still here is when I was younger, my dad once told me, everything that my dad told me is all right and helpful. But when he told me, I wasn't ready for it. So I just felt like attacked and kind of talked down to and in trouble all the time. So he told me once that people wouldn't listen to you if you said the words like or um as much as I did. And growing up when I did in the 90s, that was the whole thing. Clueless and bring it on. We, they're always saying like, they're always saying totally, they're always saying um. And so when I started doing videos and especially podcasts, I just started to see whatever I was going to say in a teleprompter form. And I was just like, try, oh, see that? I it makes me crazy because I feel less smart because of that. It still haunts me. Even though you know, like on an intellectual level, that that's not actually evidence of (laughs) like however much your mind is at work or not, because obviously people more brilliant than you or I have strange vocal tics or are even, even less articulate off the top of their heads or off the cuff. I mean, think about Obama. Let's let's. I'm talk, always thinking about talk, Obama. I know. Well, let's take a break okay. from thinking about Obama to think about Obama a little bit more, <laughs> in the sense of when he would go off prompter. Right. It was a lot of us and ums. That's okay. Mm-hmm. I don't think he went home. He's like Michelle. I think I'm dumb. I'm a dumbass. <laughs> right. If he's sad, if he did, well, maybe he did. I don't know. Who no, knows? I don't think he did. I don't think so either. Yes. I think he's just being a great husband. Right. Even now, even though that's something you struggle with right now and not feeling that way, you know that that's not actually the case. Likes and eyes and ums, it's it's more technical, actually. It's just fat and frivolous. You can cut the fat. You can keep it what you need, make it succinct. It's just, it makes me go crazy when it happens because every time it happens, I go, oh, my dad would hate that. You've had to edit yourself too, I imagine, totally. in, in like videos and, and stuff that you've put out. Yeah. Those are some ticks. Are there any other ticks or like turns of phrase that you found yourself using over and over again? I think people, I've seen this on YouTube comments is like that I say, oh my God. Oh, she admitted to reading the comments. <laughs> Which I don't anymore. But once I did, people were saying that I was saying the word truly too much. And I do say that all the time. And uh, it's recent. What? I'm going to be conscious of it now for the rest no, of the show. Don't. Well, no, not in a bad way, but just like it makes me, you know what? It's like an invitation to vulnerability, right? Where it's like, she let me know this is like a little weak spot so I can be on the lookout for like a truly. That's not why I told you. <laughs> to get to know me better and so to that build you our friendship. Be on the lookout for my insecurities? No, no but then just it. to like receive them safely and warmly <laughs> and be like, don't worry. It's okay. We got each other. People are all we got, and we got each other. Aww. So let's talk about starting YouTube stuff. Okay. Because truly, hey, on some (laughs) level, I kind of don't know what your deal is. (laughs) (laughs) Same. I've I've read your website. I've watched your videos. I've listened to your website. Yes. No, you little bio up there. (laughs) I was browsing, browsing that today. Cool, cool. The way you describe yourself on your website. I'm nervous because I haven't seen this in years. Really? 
Now that she's transferred coasts, Megan <gasps> uploads videos every Wednesday on her YouTube channel. That's true. And releases a new episode of her advice podcast just to tip every Friday. True. So that her parents can still feel like she lives at home. You've maybe seen Megan in Step Up Revolution with World of Dance, teaching an online personality how to dance, or just wandering the candle out of a local home goods. <laughs> oh, no. She loves versatility of potatoes and hates writing in the third person. Critics are calling her something cutthroat and clinical with no regard to the fact that she is a sentient with hurtable feelings. What? Because that's what a critic would do. Wow. That's you. I guess it's true, but that's fun. Is that still you? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, I feel like I do a little bit more than just dance and teach other people how to dance. Someone corners you at a party. It's a new friend. It's I a friend hate of this a friend. Already. I'm just being at the party. But I this, mean, but this uh, petting the dog in the corner, me. <laughs> so me. But someone, someone uh, says, "Oh, this is my friend Megan," and they're making polite oh, small okay. talk and chat. And they're like, oh, yeah, I work in uh, finances. I work at blah, 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 Warner Brothers and the accounting. Blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. And then they say, because they're a polite person, they say, what do you do? And you say. Well, I guess it would depend. I do tailor it to based off wherever I am. If like I see people in comedy, I go, oh, then I do this. But if not, then I go, oh, do that. Here's a sudden, something funny and a little insecure. If I were in like a dance scenario, I wouldn't say that I was a dancer because I'm not the best dancer. So I'd go like, oh, I have a comedy podcast. Or if I was around comedians, I'd go, I'm a dancer because I never want to be seen as not the best of, and I know I'm not the best in whatever I do, but I'm like, I don't want to tell people I do one thing because I also don't. Like I do so many things and I'm decent at some of them, but I'm not. I'm not like an expert at anything. So to say I do one thing would kind of be wrong and a disservice to all the things I do do. <laughs> I get that though, so, because in, in those contexts, it's maybe like a little easier to rather than position yourself in posture as excellent to posture yourself maybe as more novel or like foreign or different or right. contrasting yeah. or contrarian in some way. Let's take a break and we'll be right back with more Inside Voices. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome back to Inside Voices. So before the break, we were talking about something that I think will be a recurring theme. The thing underneath the thing of what we actually want from doing these shows. Some of us want to be the best, to be great or nothing, as Amy March would say. Some of us just want to work, to be prolific and busy. And this happens to be the mechanism by which we achieve that. And some of us want to be interesting, 
putting something out there that's absolutely novel, unforgettable, achieving a temporary immortality in the minds and memories of those who hear us. Myself, I vacillate between these types all the time, but today, the day I'm recording this voiceover and reading this copy, I want to be great. I want this show to be great because I want to give you a good experience for the time you're giving me. But what does Megan want to be? I was dating a guy who helped me decide. (laughs) Not anymore. Oh, not a brag. Never mind. Continue. Who helped me kind of craft my elevator pitch to somebody when somebody asked me that because he knew how much I hated that question. And he said to say that I run a media company where I have a lot of creative outlets. I was like, I guess that's one way of saying it. Yeah. Because I do, but that's... And then I'll kind of shut people up. It makes you a little bit sound like a Silicon Valley tech bro, but (laughs) it might be a handy. (laughs) I guess you would use that if this was someone that you wanted to end a conversation with potentially. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I'm just like a, do you ever say influencer? Never, 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 never. Do you ever say YouTuber? No, but I would, I would take YouTuber over influencer because that means you do something. Oh. And to all the influencers listening to this podcast, I just want you to know that Megan's feelings don't necessarily reflect mine in this instant. I have a big heart and love and affection for all the influencers on. Should we cut that? No, absolutely not. Here's the issue I have with it. Mm -hmm. It's just when people say influencers, it's putting everyone on the same level. And it's like kind of stripping away specific talents, specific interests, specific specific. Oh, there she is. There she is. <laughs> now, Megan, no ums or uhs or likes. And I'm wagging my finger in slow motion at her across the table. Just, no, no, no. People will be mad at you, potentially. People, yeah. The people is him. I just think it is also doing a disservice to everyone to put everyone in one box. No, thank you. Sure. Give me my own box because I'm not the same as everybody else. Influencers are not a monoculture and we need to be more vocal about that (laughs) in 2019. Okay. Why did you start your YouTube channel? I was 20 years old. I mean, I don't know anything. You were a baby. I barely know anything now, but I'm figuring it out. But then... Knew nothing. It started with choreography videos. It did. And then it transitioned into other kinds of videos. I started to do cooking videos. It was all because I felt really limited by the entertainment industry in the professional dance realm of, oh, if I don't look super skinny or super beautiful, or if I'm too pretty, or if I'm not a good dancer, like people wouldn't hire me based off of whatever the, the choreographer or the artist, whoever it was. And so just at the the feet of anybody else versus taking it into my own hands. And so I remember watching a short film on YouTube at a dance audition and everyone was practicing their moves to go audition. And I was watching this short film. I looked up afterwards and everybody was like, are you okay? And I was like, honestly, yeah, I was crying full-blown tears. And I was thinking, if I can be this compelled with all this external stimuli around me, why am I still here? Why am Mm. I doing this? Why am I waiting for somebody else to tell me that I'm good enough instead of taking whatever I can do, whatever I know I could do at the time, which was I could edit, I could speak. I liked comedy enough. And I I went in the kitchen and I I shot my first video on an iPhone with a fisheye lens. And then I just started to do that instead of dance because at least dance in that capacity because it was other people giving me a job versus me just doing it on my own. 
the more episodes of this show that I do, I feel like this is going to be more of a consistent theme where it's like, gatekeeper said xyz i kind of still wanted to do my own thing so i went and did my own thing Mm. and i like made the lifeboat that got me away from all that stuff yeah or at least provided some like safety or shelter from all that stuff at the same time yeah and became like in control of it more yes can i play for you a video okay oh no the video is called how to cook football appetizers. Stop. And I would love I, to watch it with you oh if we can do that. Would that be fun? Would that be horrible? I don't think this will be fun for anyone. Doesn't matter. Here we go. Touchdown. Oh my God, the audio. Posing. Good song. Heisman. Okay, so Heisman. she's dipping and kind of dancing around in the kitchen. This, actually. Batum, football food edition. No, I don't know if I can do this. Because us cheerleaders need all the no. we can get. Oh my Just god. Kidding. I have to turn I am I am taking my headphones off. <laughs> Why? That's enough. We're gonna go on a turn. Wait, I think I need to leave. I should I'm gonna private this right when I get home. This is great. One time I had an encounter with this guy, Sal. From the Philippines. Shit. Sal well, from Manila. Oh my god. Um, um, okay, what I'm this is so embarrassing. Oh my god! What do you What do you see? What do you hear when you see that stuff? Oh well, I'm gonna make a little note in my calendar to. <laughs> By the time this episode comes out, you, the listener, may not be able. You won't see it. To see, I'm writing a note right here. Unless you DM me and I give you a private link because I did download it and it is on my hard drive now. So unfortunately, that might be the way the cookie crumbles. Uh, my Venmo is at Kevin T Porter. If you Venmo me one dollar, you'll get I a private link. That. What, what part of it? This happened? I know. This is a part of your history? And uh, I remember putting this video out because I was working at a restaurant and mm-hmm. my boss had seen it and was like, you're really funny. And I was like, thanks. I it don't want to work here guy. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it took one guy for you to quit your job. It's like, it took one well, guy to tell me I was funny to change my world. Did no one else do that growing up or anything? I don't know. It's so hard to know. I don't know. When people tell me I'm funny now, like it really resonates. Like I had a, a guy that I was dating message me today. We were messaging each other apologies of our relationship. And hey, then, what a nice adult thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was nice. Truly, to like have like a non-toxic, like it ended, but we're not monsters, right. so we can be okay. Yeah. Good job. And he said like a bunch of nice things. He said like three really nice adjectives, and then he said, and funny. And I was like, that's so cool, because he's a stand-up comedian. So it's like for someone that works literally every day, being funny, to tell me I was funny, I was like, that is... Now I love you. And that resonates the most now. (laughs) If I said like 10 things to build you up, funny would be the one that maybe stands out. I don't know. Let's try it. Okay. I think you are inclusive to other people. I think you are curious about other people. I think you are good at the things you do. Mm -hmm. So you are professional, adept, competent, however you want to call it. Okay. We'll count those for six. Yes. I think you are easy to be with and to be around as a friend. I think you are consistent in people's lives <gasps> and as a friend. Oh, that's nice. I think you are just terrifically talented as a person. Like you work at it, but also there's like natural gifting there. And I think you are funny, which stands out. Inclusive and funny. Inclusive does. Why is that? I always say that fitting in is different than belonging. 
I think that because I do so many things and I can't label myself as one thing, I never feel like I fit in. So with like the YouTube kids, I don't feel like I fit in. I'm no, I don't go to any YouTube thing ever. I hate it. No. And I don't like when I'm dating comedians, I don't really fit in around the stand-up comedy sphere. Like I'm not just doing bits all the time. And so I really don't feel like I, I have a place ever. And so I think the fact that I can be inclusive of other people, it's really nice because sometimes I don't feel included. Belonging is a word that seems to be coming up a lot in conversations I've had recently, when practically everyone over the age of 23 is struggling to find and keep genuine connections. Megan's talking professionally belonging, but this applies personally too, and it's a shift I've had to go through in my own life. I used to think feeling a sense of purpose and meaning was a scavenger hunt. Go out there and find it. It's waiting for you. But now, I think it's an act of creativity. You've heard it all before. Be the thing you want to see. Be proactive. But honestly, we often have more control over our own lives than we think we do. So Megan took control and started her podcast, Just a Tip, back in spring of 2018. Just a Tip is an advice show in which Megan has on friends and comedians to share their tips. So it was an act of creativity, but also it was an act of risk. This was not a cynical cash grab or a mercenary means to a profitable end for Megan. It was different and new and scary. I think that the podcast has definitely helped show me that I can do something that I didn't think I could. I think in the beginning I had help. I mean, I still have help now with with producers and everything, but Back then, I was like, I could never do this alone. I'm not good enough on my feet. I'm not a good enough host to just do this solo. Mm -hmm. And so I had an assistant help me until we parted ways. And I still continued to do it on my own. And I I was thinking about hiring somebody else. And I was like, no, let me see if I can do this on my own. And if not, like I would figure it out. But I wanted to hone my craft and like cut my teeth to know that I could do this. And... It, it has helped me still be curious because without being curious, you would have a terrible podcast. So I think maybe, I mean, I've always been curious though. I'm not really sure if it's made it more inclusive. What I have found out from doing live shows for the pod is that people are way more on my wavelength than I was giving. In the beginning, I was like, oh, this is going to be straight comedy all the time, laughs all the time, or else you won't get anything else. And when I opened the discussion up for the audience, all of their questions were really vulnerable and really poignant and really just deep. And I didn't realize that that's what they were wanting. They were wanting real advice, not fake advice. So I'm trying to figure out what to do with the rest of my life. Oh, yeah. okay. All right. Well, point. you gotta decide now. <laughs> you have to. You have one month. I don't like that we're we're like needed to pick something when we're 18. I like, hate it. I am the. I'm a different person than I was yesterday. I don't. I don't think that signing up for the rest of your life when you're young or even now like I could do anything at any time follow what you want to do now and don't like limit yourself that this is all that you can do like I I moved out here as a dancer and I hardly dance now so sorry I mean I just did here but like at any moment do whatever you want because we're all gonna die does everyone know that like we are if anyone didn't know that I'm so sorry You can deliver really deep stuff with garnishes of comedy. Like, that is what's helping it go. Yeah, it's like the fuel, but the steering wheel is vulnerability and honesty. 
I love that image. I've also thought of it, speaking of vehicles, as like comedy would be a vehicle for whatever the thing is that you're right. trying to communicate. Yes. So it's like, this will be the disarming thing. And I've even found myself, even as like terrifically crafted as some of these kind of shows can be, the ones that are solely, purely comedy bits, 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 bits. And there isn't like... Uh, like something for me to grab yeah. a hold of or to to handle, or it's like I don't feel edified if that's not too weighty of a word sure. by some of this stuff. I feel like I've gravitated, at least at this part of my life, less to that stuff and more to the stuff where it's like, yeah, the garnishes or the steering wheel or whatever makes metaphor we want to use for it. <laughs> like that stuff does feel more effective to me, even as a listener. So you started the podcast in. March 2018. Yes. Yes. So talk about what led up to that. What was going on in your career? How you were feeling? I don't really know what was going on in my life professionally. I mean, I feel like I've been on this uphill climb for years now. So I just probably, sometimes I say integrity is really draining and exhausting because in a world where there's so much content and people can get by with just uploading so much quantity doesn't matter to me. It's like really about quality and consistency, which is sometimes really hard, especially when you go as deep as I like to sometimes because it is so draining to like be in my feelings a lot. But I've realized that that's where I like to be. And when people watch my videos or listen to the pod, aside from them being funny and people laughing and liking it, they're also getting something tangible that they can put in their pocket for the rest of their lives, like nuggets that I wish I knew when I was their age. Like that's the whole reason. But the reason I started the podcast, I don't think was for that reason. I think it was just to do something off of YouTube, to not do something visual, to diversify my assets, I guess. <laughs> what a beautifully emotionally put reason to get into the podcast space. Uh, diversify the portfolio and I, I uh, add a like... revenue stream. And... <laughs> I didn't think, I didn't know if I would be good at it. I didn't know if I would like it. I just, I knew I liked talking to people about deep stuff. Before my podcast, I was talking about doing a different one with a friend of mine at our house. Uh, it was going to be really deep stuff. Uh, I would bring the levity and he would bring the weight of it. And we would just be co-hosts talking about really difficult stuff like divorce and like imposter syndrome and all these things, which I kind of talk about in my podcast, but not as heavy. But it, it took me a while to figure that out. I, I just wanted to be funny and make people laugh. And now I'm like, no, I want to make you cry. Why do you think, even though when you receive compliments or when people encourage you on that level and do affirm the thing in you that does make you funny and unique in that way, mm -hmm. why do you think the desire shifted from wanting to foremost be funny to wanting to provide something more substantive? I think the desire to be funny was ruling my life. And in therapy, it came up so much. I was just like, I want to be funny. I want to be the funny one. I, I only date comedians. So I just, I feel like I need to also be at that level. But when I started to like let go of the steering wheel and just kind of see where it shifted. Have you ever tried to do that with your car? Like <laughs> taking your hands off the steering wheel? The most I just, can do is with my knees. Okay, so there's okay. always some part of my body touching it. Just go it. for like a second. Okay. And it's it's exhilarating, but usually the way that cars are made is they favor one side and different models will, will favor different ways. So if you just let go for a second, you'll see which way the car is 
destined to go. The way that it was designed and made and manufactured to go, it will go if you let go. So when I started to do the podcast and realized that it doesn't need to be all comedy, I let it go where I naturally wanted to. And it's what's hurting you? What's bothering you? How, what did you learn? What could you tell someone that's going through something that you went through? What's the meat of it all? And I back to the, the live event, that really showed me a lot. This was HeadGum Live in Chicago. And I remember I had f- three of my best friends with me on stage. And it was because I didn't think I was enough. And I thought all of my three very professional, very funny comedian friends could save me from not being good enough. And, and I was really nervous. And I remember watching Jake and Amir's show before mine. And I basically threw out everything that I wanted to do in their show because I was like, the, everyone loves them. This is what my show should be. I remember me and my friend Zach were trying to figure out all these like crazy questions to get the audience involved and like edgy stuff. And then by the time we got on stage, I threw all of that away again because the audience told me what the show was. They told me what I've been giving them but didn't realize because I had blinders that I wanted to be funny. And what they wanted was real. Of course, the four funny people on stage, they're going to get jokes here and there, but they got real ass shit. And that really opened my eyes up to be like, that's what the audience wants. They're showing me what they want. They're asking the questions that I should be answering. So it sounds like the shift came from you just paying attention. Yeah. To the relationship that existed between the people mm-hmm. listening to you and you making the show. Yeah. It's hard with podcasts because you don't know what people like because there's no comments. I mean, there's reviews, but some people don't review. So you're like, do you like this? I know. I, I feel like I go through that too, where it's like, I'm not sure, like, was it good? And, and a number can only tell you so much. It's mm-hmm. you. It's it's whatever the long email is, or, or even like the semi-specific short tweet, where it's like, oh, okay, <laughs> yes. I, I guess I didn't suck. The I tweets don't know. are great. The tweets are great. And we love and we stand tweets on the Inside <laughs> Voices podcast. Send us your tweets. Hashtag inside voices. Um, a uh, like. No way. <laughs> what Megan's talking about, I found to be so true in my own work and the work of those I admire. Making a podcast is not like other things. You write a book, it comes out. People like it or they don't. You make a movie, people see it, they like it or they don't. Podcasts like this, weekly shows open to feedback and criticism, they're living organisms. Listeners feed it or starve it, they can be kind to it or treat it poorly, and like it or not, those interactions change the show. And as someone who makes the show, you get to answer the question every week, what is this? That's why people like Megan and I enjoy feedback. Not because we desperately crave praise or are suckers for punishment, we just want to know that our shows are alive. By the way, you can find us on all social media at Kevin T. Porter and at Megan Batoon. My only expectation of the show itself was to be funny. That's it. There was like almost nothing else. When I first started, I was like, it's going to be advice, kind of, but it's going to be jokes and we'll maybe get advice. That's why in the early episodes, they were always we'll give you quasi wisdom. We'll, like they were downplaying that we were actually giving good, insightful stuff. And now I'm, I've had to change it. I mean, I didn't change it in my script. So I always have to make something up on the fly at the end, but it's, it, it's not fake anymore. It's not under a guise of it just being funny. It's real stuff with people that could be funny or not. It doesn't really matter. It's 
what are we getting out of it? What's the practical thing behind whatever the advice is? Because anyone can tell you to believe in yourself or love yourself first, but how? How do we get there? I remember seeing something on Twitter one time where it was a meme and somebody was ranting and they said, we don't want to hear the inspirational stuff, ex-celebrity. We want to hear how you paid rent before you made it. And reading that, I took that kind of mentality and I restructured my show. So if anyone ever says something inspirational, I go, let's take it one step further. How? Three steps, practical steps, how to do that. Because that's what's actually going to help. Those are things that you will remember. When you come in here, because we are recording where you record your show. When you come in here and you just recorded two episodes earlier today, this is your third. Congrats. Thank you. On having the stamina of a true podcaster. (laughs) When you come into the studio to record with a guest, maybe you know them, maybe you know them a little bit, maybe it's a first date, you don't know them at all. For you in the studio on that day, what's the best case scenario? I would love if our banter was good, the guest was open, I mean, that's kind of all I want. That's all I want. Yeah. And if we can talk about therapy, I'm in. If we could talk about feelings and we can laugh about stories and we can have nuggets, good sound bites. I love a good sound bite. Mm -hmm. But I I just think if we can have a good time while being vulnerable, that's it. Something I'm always curious about with other hosts is when guests are saying something that you might fundamentally disagree with. Oh, yeah. But you're not a jerk and you're having a conversation that is public. So how you how you discern and like <laughs> navigate affirming the person without like fully affirming what they're saying or like, so I don't know. But you have, you have so many different kinds of people on your show. I think the only times that I've really disagreed with people, one of them, she was 18 and she was talking about that she's never sad. And so I just, I was just kind of making a joke and I was like, what's that like? And then just asked her more about her process. So I didn't chime in with what I thought about it. I just asked her about her life. And then another guy today, actually, I disagreed with something that he said. And I said, fascinating, tell me more. Just so I could hear his part of it. And I told him, I I don't see it like that. And I said my piece. And we were both like, yes, we're saying the same thing, just kind of in a different way. That's such a therapy move too. Tell me more. Yeah. Well, just fully understanding the other person's perspective and trying to get in their head and in their heart about it before even making those judgment calls of any sort. Yeah. Because why would you? Because you don't know what they're trying to say. Fully, and and yeah. they're maybe maybe it's coming out a weird way. Like being on a podcast in general, you have, you're not only thinking about what you want to say, you're thinking about how it's coming out. So you're, it, for me at least, I'm editing myself as I'm talking. So this is like not the most real you'll ever see from me because I'm wondering how it's coming out. Do I sound smart? Am I funny? What is going on? So I think that maybe the pressure of knowing that you're being broadcasted to thousands, maybe someone is kind of misspeaking and let's give them the opportunity to to unmisspeak. Yeah. And that depiction doesn't equal endorsement Mm -hmm. in that sense where I think I wish there was a little bit more latitude or space for people to have on people that you as a host and that you as a listener might fundamentally disagree with and to be able to like give the gift of discernment. Totally. Oh, you know, I'm not going to spoon feed you the value, even though I want to be entertained just as much as you do. But like, oh, maybe let's do a little work together and try to understand, you know, which people don't like doing as much. Yeah. 
Something that Mr. Rogers would talk about as far as children's education goes, where he talked about a sculptor coming to an elementary school class. And instead of teaching the kids like, okay, here's how to use the clay. Here's how you sculpt. Here's how you use this shape or use this dimension. He would just sit in the middle of the class and sculpt and the kids would watch. Oh. And the charge that even children could get out of seeing someone doing something that they enjoy. Mm -hmm. So even totally divorced from the things that you're, podcast and your show embodies, which are these like, okay, how is this? Let's do the practicals. Let's get into it. Let's try to be open and vulnerable about this stuff in ways that maybe we wish we had when we were at a similar age yes. or in a similar life stage. There's something too about when you're enjoying that process with whoever the guest is, it's like you're sculpting and you're showing people a way to have a relationship or have a conversation that is not you're just so different from them and so much more talented than a listener that they could never do it. But maybe you're doing it in a way where it's like, oh, yeah, this is for you as well. Like no one's a superhero. You can sculpt as well. Yeah. And maybe just watching you do that would make that difference too. I like it. It's like leading by example and an invitation to do the same. Mm -hmm. I love it. So Megan Batune, your voice is warm. Your voice is pointy. (laughs) Your voice, what was one of the other things you said? It's like a blade of grass. It's coming up. That's the, what a sweeter way to put it. Greenery, the life coming from the earth's ground. Yeah. Uh, an earthy tone, if you will. Ooh. See, I like that better too. That is nice. And I like your voice a lot. I like, I like your, your show a lot. a lot. And I like you a lot. Thanks for doing the show, buddy. Thanks. Hope you love it. <laughs> and we end every show by the guest saying, hope you love it. <laughs> So that's good that you got my email, which we did discuss that very thing. I did the tagline. Well done. Megan Batune has a pointy voice, and you can listen to her show Just a Tip every week wherever you get your podcasts. I don't know where you get them, and I won't pretend to. Inside Voices is produced by Steve Allman, and our theme music is by Pam Atori. This episode you're listening to right now is the first episode we've recorded since the show has come out. And I just wanted to say thank you to everyone for the kind and lovely reception you've given us. It means a great deal to me. Now, if you want to continue to give us a kind and lovely reception, head to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. It helps us and it helps the show. And by the way, the really kind and effusive reviews have been screenshotted and texted to me by my sister, who is very annoyed by them, which brings me, of course, endless delight. So when you leave a review, do it for me and do it for the show, but really do it for my sister, Casey. Next week on the show, you will hear this voice. Because I never had any awareness of my own voice until I started podcasting. And then people would tell me they find it soothing in some sense. I'm Kevin T. Porter. Thanks for spending time with us today on Inside Voices. That was a HeadGum Podcast.